What's up, fight fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Wednesday, September 5th, 2018. I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And it wouldn't be Wednesday without WCW herself, Miss Kayla Beatty. Hey, G. Hey, fight fans. How are you? I am good. Kayla, how come we never have the show on Mondays? Because I'm ready to get some MCM love, too, you know? <laughs> we can do our show next Monday, because I have a feeling we'll have a lot to talk about after this weekend. All right. You know what? It doesn't matter, because we're both WCE anyway, right? Exactly. All right. Well, you know what? We have a very fun show. It is the UFC 228 preview show. UFC obviously coming back to pay-per-view and after a week off of action. So a lot to talk about to close out the show. But first, let's start out with some MMA news and really a bit of an MMA recap. Of course, talking about Invicta FC 31. In the main event, Verna Jandaroba defeated Janessa Morendin to defend the Invicta strawweight title. Kayla, this fight... um. Janessa was very composed, looked like she had a game plan to really stick and move and just try to attack with volume, just did not have an answer for the reach and just that superior grappling of Jandaroba, just okay, good defense, but no answer for the superior offense. Jandaroba finishes it with the second round arm triangle for a very dominant finish. What were your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, I think it was her 11th or 12th submission win, but definitely a dominant performance. I think, like you said, it looked like it was going to be a competitive fight, but the champ knew, you know, had her game plan and, and executed it quickly. Um, yeah, she's, I mean, it's funny because, you know, we have several ladies in that division now that are just killing it, but um, I had kind of forgot about her a little bit until Invicta 31 and just you know, with her record of being undefeated in that many submission wins. She's definitely a dominant champion there. Yeah, I mean, you have to bring up the fact that Invicta, especially with the strawweight division, their last several champions have moved on to go be in the UFC. And for good reason. They prove themselves as very solid competitors against very tough competition. And then, of course, as the UFC is looking to turn over, you're just adding more and more depth to this very growing, very popular division. So Jandaroba really puts herself now in the conversation. She said she's ready to hold the Invicta title, which personally, I feel like that was just saying what you should say, good promo. But I feel like just be where that division is at right now, she probably only has a fight or two at least, you know, at most before we're talking about her in the UFC you talk about great grapplers. I mean, I know that competition-wise and MMA experience, it's a disparity. But imagine on the ground, Jandaroba versus someone like Mackenzie Dern. Like, these are the kind of fights that I think would be awesome. And I think a UFC arrival is probably sooner rather than later looking at a record. What about you? Yeah, I think so, too. And then, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, we both enjoy... Um, you know, when the fight goes to the ground. So why I know that that division is ha it's still in development. There's still a lot of star names um, that they've added to that division that they want to see play out and face each other. But with someone with that 
um, record and just being so dominant at Invicta, I'm all about throwing in someone with, with that skillful of a ground game in there just to kind of mix things up. I think it'd be exciting. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think it's an inevitability. I can't see how she's still there, let's say, in a year. Obviously, Invicta has a slower schedule. They tend to do about, I want to say, like every other month, usually, in terms of an event, which is fine. Um, So I think it's just about exposure. It's about where could she fit in the UFC calendar if they do decide to move her up. But, yeah, I mean, you see it all the time. These girls get that title and when they're doing well like your Angela Hills and uh, Livia Hinata Souza they don't tend to be there that long because when they get to that point they're usually already have been killing it for a while so the jump is just really not that far off so I predict that for Verna but definitely a nice win capping off a great night of action in Invicta. Kayla, this story, okay, I was really, uh, I can't, I've been saying this and we talked about it. I am excited about this week's show. I was going to text you about this and talk to you about it um, because I was like, damn, um, it just stood out to me. Our next news story, Conor McGregor not doing media for UFC 229. Reports are coming out that Connor is not going to be doing any media, not going to be showing up for press conferences or what have you until fight week in Las Vegas. He's not even scheduled to leave Ireland to come to Vegas until mid, probably late September. He is at home in Dublin where he's training for the fight with Habib with his team at SBG. Kayla, this is the event of the year in MMA. People are arguing it is the big fight, period, in combat sports. Should Connor be doing more considering the scope of the event? I think that the reason why, I understand why he's not doing as much press because he is facing Khabib Nurmagomedov. This is obviously a very challenging fight. And he hasn't had as much time. I mean, one would think that he's been preparing to fight with Khabib. And obviously, he's someone that's, you know, a smart, has a smart fight IQ, has worked on his wrestling. But if you were going to fight for the title again and face someone who's undefeated and dominant like a Nurmagomedov, I I don't know. And then because this fight was put together and and booked in such a short amount of time, I, I would be it seriously too and not want to be worried about um the entertainment side of it and doing you know press and tours and all of that i would be wanting to be in the gym because we've, we're already seeing that the fight's going to sell like you said it's it's the fight of the year um you know one of the biggest fights uh in in more recent times so it's not like they need to sell this fight it does kind of suck for the fans that want to obviously hear all the banter and, um, you know, just see them more and get and get excited about this fight. But when it comes down to it as an athlete, I can understand that he just wants to spend as much time preparing for this fight because they really didn't get that much time, um, you know, once it was booked. Um, I want to start off by saying I agree with everything you're saying. Um, I really do. I want to play a bit of devil's advocate for the sake of this one, though is when you think about Connor's star power, remember this, people were waiting how many years for Mayweather Pacquiao? 
Connor is relatively new in terms of being on the fight game scene, and they still were able to become the second biggest selling him against Mayweather. And you got to think about that. You got to think that this is the star power. This is the promotional machine and backing that this guy has created that he can rival that that was years and years in the making. People couldn't stop talking about it. Then you got to remember, how has he become a big star? Great, exciting fighter, but he can talk the talk to get you excited to see him also. All of that together... When you think about the fact that, yes, this is the fight that sells itself. I acknowledge that. When you're thinking about the fact that you could possibly make this the biggest UFC event ever. And that's saying something. I almost feel like you need to. I kind of feel like there's almost a little bit of an obligation to like, you know what? How often could you really make this the number one in history? That is something that doesn't happen all the time. So I do feel like it is not as cut and dry. Now, if I had to pick what should he be doing honestly, I do agree with you. I think that Habib is a dangerous guy. I think that this is a big fight and he's coming off a layoff. He should be doing everything to make sure he wins the fight, not the talk. But I want to acknowledge it is a very big deal, the fact that after all this and all we have seen of Connor, that now that the fight's actually being made, he's not saying anything. I think that is very surprising to me. I now, think he's done enough in his career and, like you said, grown this star power quality. I'm sure the week of the fight, we're going to see everything that we want to see. It's just that he needs to be in the gym and focus now, and I think that respectfully he didn't have to come back he's made his money he's built his legacy he didn't have to come back for this fight so I also feel like fans are always wanting to just really you know wear someone thin and give 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 we want all the trash talk we want all of this you know he didn't have to come back and fight he's going to I'm sure he'll be that big personality that we all want to see during fight week you know, just kind of respect the craft. And if he's saying, hey, I want to focus with my team working on my craft because this is a big fight that I'm not taking lightly, then, you know, that's that's what it is. Yeah, you know, like I said, it's it's a slippery slope. I agree with you. He should be focused on winning. That really does lead into my next question. So I'm glad you brought it up. Because when you talk about, oh, you have a very big star Wanting, not wanting to do media. They just want to train and then show up for the fight. I think a lot of people immediately jumped to Ronda Rousey to uh, roughly two years ago. Ronda not doing media before the Amanda Nunes fight. And then, of course, like you just said, Connor didn't have to come back. So is there a worry that, you know, if he loses and all this, you know, is he going to go the way of Ronda? He's just playing it chill, and then collecting his paycheck, win or lose at the end of it. I want to toss this up. When I think there are two different situations. When Ronda was being silent, I think that there was a... You, you understood that Ronda had... She really didn't feel like she had a good relationship with the media. And I'm not going to get into that. I just have always said that I don't think that was correct. But that was her th feeling about it. She didn't want to do extra stuff. She didn't feel she had to. And the UFC um, uh, 
uh, essentially they agreed to work with her on that. They um, agreed to her terms. That was different. Connor not doing media and the fact that Connor, you know, wasn't going to come back. It's not because he doesn't like MMA. It's not that he doesn't like talking and the media, et cetera, et cetera. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, Connor just wanted to get paid. That's why he, you know, possibly wasn't going to come back. That was the only reason. It's a completely different thing than from what was going on with Ronda. So I don't think fans should be too worried about the fact that he doesn't want to talk leading up to this one. But I want to toss it to you if you have any other take or if you agree with that about why Connor is being quiet. Yeah, I really think it's just that he's focusing on his camp. I'm sure that we'll still get some exciting stuff happening um, during fight week. Dana White keeps saying that the UFC does plan to kind of jack that fight week up since there wasn't a tour or as much, you know, publicity leading up to this. But um, I don't know. I think that really, if we're being honest, we've talked about this, like, you know, with people settling contracts, injuries, different things going on. I mean, the UFC was at one point this year scrambling to try and have these star powered cards to close out the year. And I think when you look back at Ronda's last fight with the UFC, that card was great, but adding a Ronda Rousey comeback after being knocked out by Holly Holm really amped up that card and finished the year off. So I don't know. I think that especially with Ronda and Connor, they're two people that the sport that the UFC really rely on to kind of save the day. And we have to, at least just be understanding if maybe, because I kind of feel like they're kind of doing us a solid. I'm sure, yes, of course, they want to still compete, but they really don't financially need to anymore. They've really built their star quality name. So I just think that, you know, if if they want to pass up on this extra publicity, give them a chance to kind of just chill and, and prepare for a fight like they want to. No, I, I think that's certainly the great point. And I think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. If you're anyone... And I know, I know G, that like other fighters will say, well, that's not fair. Like, you know, it's special treatment. But if it really comes down to it, no other fighters are pulling in numbers like they do. So they are getting special treatment. But until you can do what they're doing for the sport or what they've achieved... And the money that they're bringing in, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, I, I see the argument there, but um, I think people just need to be aware of that. They're going to get special treatment because they're doing special things. Exactly. When you bring in that kind of money, you don't have to talk before the fight also. I think that's the thing. Um, you know, final point. Um, once again, I agree with you. At the end of the day, you know, do you want to win the talk or do you want to win the fight? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if there was more time, maybe we could say it's different. If this was announced month, more months out, maybe you should be talking about a world tour. But under the circumstances, I think that it's a better decision for Connor. At the end of the day, I'd rather walk away with the win over Habib than, you know, however much money he might develop, you know, short term, talking it up a little more and losing that time in the gym. So. And I agree he, with you. We have to think about this too. This just came to my mind. Um, sure. You know, he had those legal troubles, so maybe he is kind of trying to stay late or lay low a little bit leading up to the fight, just to kind of, you know, 
I guess, uh, calm everyone's worries that, oh, something else can escalate again. Maybe his lawyers, his team have him in check and say, you know what, fight week, we'll have the natural banter during weigh-ins, whatever. But the more that we have all these altercations, or not altercations, but just like meetups, um, you know, with Khabib and his team, fans are going to be egging on, wanting to see him throw chairs and water bottles and dollies and stuff. I mean, it might just be also what's legally best for him too to kind of lay low leading up to this fight there's so many things that could come into play with it you know of course no that's a great point um i think that uh personally i think the usc should say connor i don't even want you to be able to see the team bus during fight <laughs> week you know i i hope some things are kind of being said it's like we are not having no funny business um because there really are some serious ramifications but yes completely that's another factor to it. Um, at the end of the day, I know fans, you know, we want to hear Connor talk. It's entertaining. But like we just said, it's about winning the fight, not the talk. So I think maybe he'll jump on Twitter and sent and put out some good tweets. I mean, uh, he's been doing that a bit. I'm kind of liking it. it. It's, you know, feeling like a bigger event again. So I'm happy for it. Kayla, it needs to get here. We're still a month away. We're talking like it's going to be next week. I know. I love it. All right. Well, certainly we're going to have plenty of Connor Habib coverage coming up. <laughs> and you know that as the month winds down, there's just going to be more stuff coming out, et cetera, et cetera. But we have two guys who are really feuding right now. Donald Cerrone and Mike Winklejohn. And then essentially as an extension, Jackson Wink. Kayla, I, I'm reading this one, and I'm just like, you know, man, I, I don't know with these two. So to try to summarize it very quickly, Cowboy Cerrone is saying that Mike Winklejohn is the reason there's been a lack of success. Essentially, he was mad because Mike Perry is at Jackson Wink now and is training for the fight with Cowboy there. Cowboy didn't like it, said Mike Perry can join the team. But he can't be this new guy and now training with my team to fight me. That's just unfair. Mike Winklejohn is saying Donald Cerrone has essentially been doing his own thing this, since he opened that ranch a couple years ago. And that Donald Cerrone isn't even the best teammate. He's just very self-centered in terms of taking care of his training and not helping other fighters. So both of them have been very public. Um leading up to the fight with Cowboy and Mike Perry. So there's really just a lot of other teammates trying to weigh in lately, Diego Sanchez and others. Kayla, you've read it. You've probably seen the tweets. You've probably heard other people talk about it. <laughs> there are two sides to every story. But now that both of them have spoken, what is your take on the feud? You know, I get it. I, I understand loyalty. I'm a big, um, you know, in favor of that too. But... I do like the point that Team Jackson Wink has made, whether it's Diego Sanchez, whether it's um, some of the fighters that we know actually at J Jackson Wink more in the amateur circuit. I've kind of reached out just to see if I can get any gossip from them or opinions from them. But yeah, collectively, most uh, a lot of people, or not most, but a lot of people at Jackson Wink say that they rarely do see Cowboy in the gym anymore, that he you know, has built kind of his own facility and is, is busy over there. So I get it that you want loyalty from your team, but I think that that's a good point made. A team 
um, and team member is in there, even if you don't have a fight booked and you're not in camp, you're helping train the up and coming fighters, your teammates that are, you know, do have a fight coming up. If you want this ride or die loyalty, I think you do have to be in there often. So if there's truth to that, that he just isn't showing his face around unless he's in camp, I kind of feel like you lose, you know, um, you can't promote loyalty if you're not giving it back. Yeah. You know, it's a two way street. And I think that, um, you know, he's been someone that's obviously done really well and represented their team. Well, he's always down to fight. Um, but Mike Perry is also someone that is very eager to become something great and fight often. Um, you know, very similar style, just loves to fight and get gritty in there and looks at it as just a, a good time. So I don't know. I just think that it might be more of an ego thing here. And I think that uh, Cowboy has to realize there's, there's new up and coming names that maybe these teams are going to focus on. And, and we have to be honest, he's, he's been around for a long time. Not that his career is on, you know, the last couple of years of it, but it is more on the back end than a Mike Perry's career. Right. You know, when I look at the situation, um, I try to think about, okay, like real world, like logistics, Jackson Wink is a huge team. It's mm -hmm. got a lot of people who technically aren't team members, but just will go out and do camp there just because they know it's better training than they might get somewhere if they're overseas or if they're in a smaller city, smaller town where they usually live. Um, I, I take that into account. Their reputation, their name, their fighters, that all plays a factor. And if you're talking about, you know, Alpha Male has discussed this, just the access and the attention to really work with your coaches, work and get your training in to grow, all of that can be very difficult at these teams that grow so big. So when Cowboy talks about opening his own facility, the first thing that comes to my mind is, what do you mean when you open your own facility? Is it just literally like a gym where you have the equipment and the bags and et cetera, and guys could just come in and work out? Or are you talking about a place that literally now it's like you have coaches, you train for other fights, you train against maybe Jackson Wink fighters or whatever, and it's a separate entity and you just happen to have a good working relationship, what is exactly the logistics of it? Because if you're talking about literally just another building where you can get a workout in, that's not really should be an issue. If it's undermining Jackson Wink, then absolutely you have to address that and all the things you just said. It's loyalty. What kind of loyalty do you really have? And a lot of guys talk about this, like Greg Jackson, they have a great relationship with Greg. And even if they're not necessarily in Jackson Wink all the time, they're loyal to Greg Jackson. And Greg Jackson shows them that love back. Is that, when you look at GSP, he was training at TriStar. He has his head coach that he really trusts for us, the hobby. But he also had that great relationship with Jackson Wink and Greg Jackson to the point that Greg Jackson was frequently in, I think I want to say every fight, Greg Jackson was in the corner and they just kind of worked it out where both Greg and Faraz were in the corner. It's not like, you know, guys don't do this kind of little bit of crossover under certain circumstances. So I really just want to say on my point, 
what is really what is Cowboy Cerrone talking about? Is he really right there for the team, and he he has a legitimate argument to say he's betrayed, or is it just the fact that he feels that Mike Perry in this instance is just getting an unfair advantage, and he feels like the people, not necessarily the building and the logo and the company Jackson Wink are having his back. I think that's what you really got to talk about. Is it the team or is it the individual that you have a problem with doing this? And then if you're Mike Winklejohn, I mean, Donald Cerrone, what he said, it's a business thing in terms of what, what he's doing with the team and the memberships, but he's got to pay the rent too, you know? So I think that there's a lot of give and take here in this situation. Yeah, and I'm actually surprised it hasn't happened more often where, you know, fighters and and camps have had this kind of beef. But I think, like you said, just because they have such a big team um, and maybe it's just been a matter of like, you know, the the right egos had to be put in the mix to finally like say something and have this beef. But it is interesting. It hasn't happened before. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'd also like to finish out um, when I've heard Donald Cerrone talk about it you know, the BMF ranch, he always says that it's nice because I get to come in and I get to work anytime. Yes, it is open to other people, but it's kind of like, I get it. You open this thing. You have the key to go in and work out whenever you want. Um, Okay, that's, you know, that does sound a little, you know, self-serving if I'm being honest. So I think it's complicated, but I think it sounds like a personal like with only a few people rather than a full team kind of issue kayla of course you know all that feud going on there is still some other stuff to even further than mcgregor habib to get excited about this one the rumor is mm-hmm. starting to pop up for you hello yes i'm here did i lose you again no i can hear you okay so i'll just clip it back all right Okay. One, two. Kayla, there is a lot going on, of course, moving on past Connor and Habib. And really, I'm talking about the rumors swirling for the UFC on ESPN in January. There's already a lot of stuff starting to circle around about what's going to be the first ever event on the network. And the major one is that they're looking to book Robbie Lawler against Stephen Thompson. Another one is Paige Van Sant versus Rachel Ostovich. Um, There aren't, you know, nothing is official yet. All the fighters involved have said that, but uh, it hasn't stopped people from just talking and wanting to really just get involved to find out what are they going to do for this one. But Kayla, not that Robbie versus Wonder Boy isn't a good fight, but UFC on Fox, the first one, was Cain Velasquez Jr. Dos Santos for the heavyweight title. Because it's the UFC, should they be looking to go bigger for their ESPN debut, or is something like that just not as important this time around? I mean, I think that it is interesting because those are four definitely star power names. I think each one of those has a big following um, that even though it's not, they aren't title fights, so to me, it just makes me and um, curious. I guess what they're doing with ESPN and what they're doing with this app. Um, 
that they are still going to include pay-per-views. Like, may, I, I, I want to see what this app's going to be used for. Maybe it's not for those big title fights. Maybe they only want the title fight super fights to be their pay-per-view and ESPN to kind of be that spot for more of their just popular names, um, you know, or fighters on their way up uh, to get that title shot and, and become champion. So those four names are are, are definitely intriguing, but... As far as the debut, um, I don't know. I don't, again, I just don't know if it needs a title fight. I think that it just all depends on the direction they're trying to go with the app. What do you think, Chief? Bigger? Uh, I like to say, yeah. Uh, usually, because when I think about what was the Fox thing doing, what were these other fights supposed to do over the years? It's about getting fans to really pull the trigger. And then you have the promise of like, hey, this is going to be an ongoing thing. So with Fox, you talk about the heavyweight title and it's like, hey, UFC is going to be big on Fox. People are going to have to stop and watch. That was a purpose. They've had those big title fights on Fight Pass and you got them to sell more subscriptions. That was the purpose. So I feel like you'd want to go a little bigger because you want to put it this way. You're talking about now asking fans to pay to see fights when they didn't have to. You have cable. Okay, that means you have Fox Sports 1, FX, Big Fox. The only thing you're quote unquote paying for would be pay-per-view usually or Fight Pass if you're even that motivated about it. You're talking about one more thing. So if you're talking about, okay, you know, hey, you got to pay five bucks a month, 10, you know, whatever. You want fans to be like, you know, man, why am I going to pay for that? You want the fight that's like, you know, I wouldn't pay 50 bucks for that fight, you know, a pay-per-view, but I would pay five or 10. That is a good one. And I'm going to get this and I get other stuff. So I almost feel like you want to try that. But then again, Maybe UFC feels like with their brand, they don't feel they have to. That's why it's a very nice, very fun. I would say it's like a Fox, UFC on Fox level event, but it's not a pay-per-view style one. That's why they're going with it. So, But here's my opinion on it. I feel like the hardcore MMA fans, they, well, one, I think that, they're they're you know collaborating with espn because what they're trying to spread the sport of mma um if it's an espn app maybe there's people that are like oh awesome i would rather pay for that than a fight pass because i'm also a fan of football and baseball and all these other sports so there's more of a use to pay for an app that can give you full access full sports access coverage instead of just an mma app so And then for the fans that are just concerned about these title fights, um, where maybe these mainstream fans are only concerned when a Conor McGregor's fighting, those are the ones that are going to pay that, you know, 60 bucks for a pay-per-view title fight. So that's why I'm curious is I want to see exactly who they're targeting with this app, because it might not necessarily be for the hardcore fans that want to watch every title fight. I think when I look at it, um, for example, I don't have the ESPN Plus app yet. I've said this before that just for myself, uh, not that Ariel Helwani and Chael Sonnen don't have a good show, not that there's not fun stuff on it, 
I just feel like, you know, for myself, I'm not ready to start, you know, also having that show up on my, you know, bank statement every month until I'm also getting UFC content on it. So, but we are different ahead. cases, G, because we have to pay for several different apps just so we can cover and watch everything. So I don't think we can be looked at as the same as fans. Because don't you think that if you didn't have to pay for one of the other apps right now to be able to watch UFC fight pass fights, you might actually get the ESPN app? For myself personally, I've asked myself this. And the truth is no, just because I feel like I get a lot of the other stuff that's on it in enough on TV already. Mm. And now that is just me. Um, you have a great point, And I think other people would feel the opposite. And agree with you. Yes, they probably would. I can say for myself personally, I'm just not there yet. But my, my point being is you are trying. The point of it is you have the hardcore fans are, are supposed to feel like you need this app so you can really get all that stuff you love. That's there. But I think what they're hoping is that by putting UFC on it, you're going to get a significant bump of casual fans who are like, hey, if I want the same level, of, same amount of UFC content, I have to get this app now. So I think that might be the key. But once again, I think we're going to find out the numbers in January. For myself, I feel like I, I tend to agree with you that I think it, the main selling point isn't going to be just having big UFC, but collectively you are now adding that to the wealth of content that's already going to be on the app. I think that's the thing, but I think it shows the push towards streaming. I think that they have a lot of new content that they are hoping people tune in for, like they put on Netflix, that you're going to watch for a couple hours, not just one or two little things randomly on your own time. So I think that's something to be said also. But Kayla, I I'll say this, you know, talking about it, I hope we get Robbie versus Wonder Boy. And Paige versus Rachel. That's a very fun event. What about that? Yeah, I think so, too. And, I mean, whatever. Sex sells. Obviously, as soon as that was broke, all of the memes and people, you know, Instagramming about those two beautiful and skilled women up there. Um, I don't know. I mean, especially if you're trying to catch a casual fan when they see those two ladies just knowing how men and women are, their eyes are going to at least tune in for 15 minutes to watch those girls fight. And, you know, with a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, just stylistically too, that fight is intriguing. And they're handsome. So I think that those four names, like I said, have the star power to, um, you know, keep people tuned in. I think with Rachel and Paige, it's, yes, they are, you know, like everyone knows, it's not a secret. They're two very beautiful women. Um, they have a big following, and we kind of saw this with Paige a little bit. She's not, she's on a tough skid, but fans just love her, and fans do turn the TV on for her. I think they feel that Rachel has that quality also. I, if you're talking about getting people to tune into something new, I think it's a good strategic move, even if, let's say, they're not the most successful. If I'm not mistaken, Rachel also just lost to Montana De La Rosa, no? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel like that's the move. I, I think they're aware they're not putting the highest level fight as much as maybe two of their more popular on social media fighters on that one. I agree with you. 
And I will say this, Stephen Thompson makes those Van Hosen, Van Houston shirts, they look better on him than they ever do on me, and I have a bunch of them. <laughs> and you know I wouldn't admit that unless it's true, and that's saying something, Kayla, because I think I make them look good. You do, G. Oh, thank you. You're making me blush. But, Kayla, we have a very big event that everyone is... Uh, there's so much going into this one, so let's start the main event of MMA Daily, the preview. And, of course, this week, UFC 228, the welterweight title is on the line, Tyron Woodley versus Darren Till. By now, you already know Colby Covington was not available for the fight, unification, undisputed versus interim champion. But we have a titanic matchup. Kayla, there's a lot of... Okay, so by now everyone knows the weight issue for Darren Till. Um, There's so many ways you could go with it. I figured, okay, what is the most specific question to get to the root of it? So I'm going to hit you with this one, okay? Okay. For Darren Till, let's say he were to miss weight by about four or five pounds, go out there and dominate Woodley, beat him up and then knock him out late first, early second. What would the UFC then have to do? Like, what could they do? Um, I mean, maybe a rematch. I, I don't know. Again, the whole weight issue is what's, what's got everyone a little bit nervous about this fight because both men are clearly skilled, talented, um, present a very competitive fight. Um, one that's hard to break down and predict, actually. But, yeah, if he comes in missing weight, then it's kind of, it's one of those ones that I really think is going to lose that lackluster and excitement because it's like, all right, well, he can't win the belt. And even if we get a rematch, is he? Uh, we're going to be back at the same question. Is he going to still be able to make weight or should he face the fact that maybe he's more of a middleweight fighter and not a welterweight? Yeah, to me, it's like, because that's a very real possibility, just with his reputation. Let's say he goes out there, knocks out Woodley. Woodley is still the champion, but then a rematch, and then it's like, well, what? Are you literally about to give him another title shot again? You know, that's, uh, it, it and makes the size, it very difficult. The size difference is is pretty intense, that even if you do knock out Tyron Woodley, like, everyone is going to fall back on, okay, well, he was the much bigger fighter or, oh, that's not necessarily his natural weight class. So it kind of takes away that win too. Uh, I agree. And it's, that's what makes this difficult. I like Tyron Woodley's approach that he's saying, look, he could blow weight if he, you know, and I'm ready for it. I'm just going to go out there trying to train to win. Um, I will say this. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to say this. I'm going to put it off to say we figure it out when we get there. But I think that if we had to say what would be the lesser of two evils in terms of what to do if that happens, I say Darren Till moves up because he clearly can't make 170 even when the title's on the line. Mm -hmm. But you set up like a catchweight fight, you know, or a catchweight rematch, Woodley versus Darren Till. I, I think that would be the lesser of two evils rather than give him a 170 rematch. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you can't make weight for your title shot, you just don't 
belong in that weight class. I mean, this is the most important fight of his career so far. So I actually think he is going to make weight. I'm not that stressed about it. I think that him and his team don't want, you know, especially with the last fight that he had and, and, you know, the dangerous weight cut that he had, I think that they've been a lot more strict this time around um, and are going to be a little bit safer about it. And of course, you know, he had, something come up with his family emergency so I'm actually not that worried that he's going to miss weight I think that he knows the importance of this and that that's everyone's main concern yeah I mean you look they're hearing about it every minute of every day how's his weight is he doing the right thing etc cetera, etc cetera. um I, I have to imagine they're doing everything to do it correctly and then Kayla Darren Till's attitude I mean He's aware everyone wants to know, but he's really, he's got that Liverpool thing. Like, how does, how does he go? He's just like, Kayla, I don't care. I'm just ready to go out there to win this fight. And Tarnwood is a big guy. I mean, Kayla, how's my weight going? It's going shit, but I'm ready to knock him out and bring that welterweight title to Liverpool. I really am. And then I'm ready to go up there and take on Robert Whittaker, too. Did Darren Till just make a cameo on our podcast? <laughs> okay, no lie. I heard Laura Sanko imitate Jojo Calderwood last week, and I was like, oh, my God, that's just hilarious. It inspired me to want to see what I could do. <laughs> and I, I tried it with a few people, and they were like, you know, that's actually not that bad. And I was like, I'm going to go for it. But I'm no, we've been wanting to do accents. That was definitely a good one, G. Thank but yeah, you. I mean, <laughs> I think yeah, I think that uh, he he realizes how he's built his star power in the UFC. He has all the fans behind him. He's coming out with promos saying that he's fighting for Liverpool. Um, there's a lot, a lot of people he would disappoint, and I don't think that he's taking that responsibility lightly. For me, when you talk about the fact that Dan Hardy still hasn't made a return and you kind of think he may never return at this point, which is very unfortunate. Michael Bisping retired recently. He's kind of coming in at the right time to be the new guy for UK MMA. And look, he's a very candid, exciting fighter. And there's a lot of reasons to be excited to see him. Uh, That's very true. I think really just um, it's about timing. And I don't know if he's right there, which, of course, gets you, you know, let's talk about the actual fight now. Tyron taking on this tall, aggressive guy. Darren Till, I think his route to victory is to just keep this fight in the middle of the octagon, try to keep Tyron Woodley at range, force him to try to shoot from the outside and just use his physicality. Um, Even though it wasn't successful long-term, the way James Vick fought Justin Gaethje early on, I think that's exactly what Darren Till needs to do. Tyron is going to want to close the distance to take away that reach. I think that Till, look to mix it up. Don't be afraid to throw kicks and punches because all that is going to do damage. I think for Tyron Woodley, I think against the fence, use the clinch, use your wrestling. If he is on the outside, I think it's going to be about the kicks, Kayla. Because he's fought a couple grapplers and other strikers recently, he hasn't gotten to use them as much. He has explosive tree-chopping kicks, and I think we're going to see them against Darren Till. 
Um, of course, it's another one of those fights that really could go either way. Who do you have winning this one? Yeah. Oh, God. I'm, I mean, can you imagine what one of those kicks from Tyron, Tyron Woodley feels like? Ouch. Or from either man. Um, yeah, I think it's a matter of Darren Till keeping him busy. I know that a lot of people, I think what's crazy about Tyron Woodley is if you do look at his career, he's fought several different men with like certain styles. Um, he himself has all sorts of different wins, submission wins, knockout wins, you know, going the distance. Um, so I think that he really is a, a very well-rounded fighter with a, gr- a high fight IQ. I think that lately he's just been able to face competition where he was able to figure them out and not have to push himself too much to get that win. And maybe that wasn't the most exciting, you know, way to go about being champion, but it it is a successful way. And I mean, if you aren't really even having to go uh, full force and, and, and use everything in your tank to be able to still continue staying champion, you're a dangerous dude. I do think that Darren Till, though, because of, you know, the hype surrounded around him, because he's a smart fighter and knows, I think he's very aware that like, hey, I needed to bring in, he's not, they're not underestimating each other, I guess. So it's just going to be interesting to see how each man um, approaches this, who they've brought into their camp to kind of prepare for each other. Um, But... I think that, yeah, it's a matter of Darren Till keeping him busy and catching Tyron maybe when he has a moment of, um, you know, not having one of his bursts and, and not necessarily slowing down, but just kind of, I think that uh, he's someone that kind of not takes breaks, but yeah, just goes in bursts with his fight. So if Darren Till can kind of keep him busy, go into those later rounds and maybe find something to catch him with, he might find success. But I... Uh, my my um, gut tells me that Tyron's going to stay champ, that this is going to be that super fight where he makes money, where he gets, you know, everyone um, excited about a competitive fight because it's not going to be an easy one for him. As far as prediction, um, I see him finishing it. I don't see him going uh, the distance. I think that... I see him finishing it in those champion rounds. All right. All right. What about you? You know, um, every time I think about it, uh, I'm going with Tyron. The Uh thing about it is I I just see Darren Till putting together a few big shots and using that size and just essentially crashing like a wave to take down Tyron Woodley. That's just how dangerous that young man is. But... Um, I tend to agree with you. I think that Tyron hasn't had to get out of third gear in a lot of fights. I don't think he had to get out of there against Damian Maya. I feel like he just, you know, the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson was a different fight. I feel like Darren Till, he looks at him and he says, you know what, this is a big kid. This is a powerful man. But I have all this XYZ in terms of my skills. I'm not worried about it. I think that he has plan A and B and C to go in there. If the clinch doesn't work, if the kicks don't work, maybe just wrestle him, pull out a Daniel Cormier type of style. Um, I feel like Tyron Woodley just has more weapons. I think that he is 
has worked very hard to make sure he knows how to defend Darren Till's, you know, and neutralize all those physical advantages that Darren Till brings. So I'm but going with Tyron Woodley. What I think is, is exciting about it is Darren Till has the experience as well to where we're not, we're seeing someone that's very composed in there. And that's why I think it will go into the later rounds and be a more competitive fight is I think that Darren Till isn't going to go in there too eager and going to be able to go after his game plan. But I just think that Tyron has more of that experience of facing men like a Darren Till or training with people like a Darren Till that he can prepare for him better. Yeah, this one... Okay, I'm not going to lie. This is one of the first weeks where I want to like contradict myself. Uh, I've been feeling Tyron Woodley decision... But um, and I'm gonna make that my prediction. But I'm gonna let everyone know now. In the event that Tyron Woodley just goes out there, gets that first round knockout, I'm gonna be like, <laughs> yeah, I should have just said it. But I'm right now. My heart is saying he's probably gonna go the distance with Darren. I think that Darren is a durable kid who's not gonna go away easily in this moment either. So, uh, but I got Woodley also to retain the title. But there are two title fights. Of course. Why don't you introduce it for two lovely ladies like yourself? She is back. We were wondering when we would get to see this fight. We knew that the first time Nico Montano's first title defense would be Valentina Shevchenko, number one contender. Nice to finally see her fighting in a weight division that um, she says is her natural weight class. And there's a little bit of heat leading up to, um, between these two ladies because of Nico's absence, um, which I now looking into it, I feel like was very fair. Um, you know, she needed to take time to heal up. But we are finally here for, yes, Nico Montano's return, um, her first title defense against Valentina Shevchenko. And it's pretty crazy, G, because a lot of people are just counting out the champ. And I get it. We've gotten to see a lot more tape on Valentina. We've gotten to see her really be challenged, really um, grow as an athlete. And I think that's one thing that's so great about her is, you know, each fight, I feel like she is someone who's evolving and, and really becoming a mixed martial artist when she kind of just first started the sport as more of a, you know, a striker. Um, but we also have Nico, who was the underdog during Tough and won it all and has shown skills, too, that she's not so. I have been back and forth with. Um, I definitely think Valentina has the. I think that she's a well-rounded fighter, and I think, you know, she has those advantages on the feet. I think that she is. She is. She's just the more skilled and experienced fighter on the feet. But I think that a lot of people are sleeping on Nico's, um, I guess, just tough, not even just toughness, but like work ethic. I think that um, she's someone that that is is going to go into this fight prepared. And I think that so finishing my thought, I think that Nico is someone that is and a rise to be everyone. Stand and trade. She's going to be a tougher opponent than maybe she's thinking. Um, and I don't know. I woke up this morning with a gut feeling that she's actually going to use her wrestling and ground game to kind of 
those ladies are. Um, I'm seeing this being a pretty high amount, and it's a very fight, fast paced. But I see Nico Montano staying champ and kind of edging it out with a, a more, I guess, uh, aggressive. Entry. You know, um, with Nico Montano, I think the biggest thing that stands out to me is her composure. She didn't win tough, um, just uh, getting lucky three, four times in a row. She won tough because she stuck to her game plan. She has very underrated skills, but mentally, she went out there and she just came out with a force and it shocked these girls. She also had the skills to hold it together and keep going, implement a great game plan. And that's how she upset Lauren Murphy, Barb Honchak, Roxanne Modafferi, women who all have a ton more experience than her. The difference maker mm -hmm. is I feel that Valentina Shevchenko has a lot more firepower. She didn't show it really in the fight with Amanda, but she's shown it in plenty of others. The ability to really do damage, to finish. I think that she got complacent in the fight with Amanda, and that's why she's not the Bantamweight champion. I do believe that Valentina has learned from that. I think that Valentina knows that that was a very winnable fight. And I think she knows to implement changes in her game plan now. I think that she knows that she has the skills to probably outpoint Nico on the feet. I think that she knows that she can mix it up and take her down. Try to use a comprehensive attack. I can't say that Nico has all the skills when you put them both together. I think that Valentina has a little more power. I think just as fresher fights with more volume than any of Nico's past opponents. I think that's going to be the difference. I think that Nico, her best bet is to try to get the fight to the ground. Yes, she uses high volume, but if I'm being honest, when she fought Roxanne Modafferi with that, Roxanne doesn't have much power behind her shots. It's just all about clean technique. Valentina, I think, you know, no pun intended, but when she hits you with her shots, it's like a bullet. They really do significant damage. So I think that's really what you're going to see is that when Valentina connects, it's going to have a bigger effect on Nico than any other opponent who's hit her before. So I think that Valentina behind volume and accurate counter-striking, I think that she gets the job done. I think she's also ready to defend takedowns from Nico or get back to the feet. I have Valentina getting it done about the second or third round TKO. I feel like she's going to hurt her and then finish her ground and pound. Ouch. I know. The layoff. I know that she's, she's had to deal with a lot, but at the end of the day, that is, this, that's crucial time to not be able to consistently train. I think that's yeah, going to evolve as into evolve too. I mean, I'm sure now knowing that you're in the UFC and facing these tough ladies, you can kind of look at the roster and say, well, I'm the champ. Who should I start preparing and train, you know, just because I know I'm going to be defending the title. She hasn't really been able to have that time to, um, you know, just work on herself as an athlete. But I don't know. I'm, I'm seeing, even though the main event is pretty crazy too, I kind of feel like this is a very, um, could very easily be fight of the night going to be competitive yeah to me what i like is that nico i believe her when she says she doesn't worry about the people saying valentina's the uncrowned champion and 
all this other stuff is just a formality. I believe her when she says she's not worried about it. She is wired. Not everyone is wired that way, but she is. And I think that's a very important part of her game is that that doesn't worry her. And that allows her to perform so much better for someone very early in her pro career. I think that's the key. Um, Kayla, I love this last fight that we're going to talk about in the strawweight division, arguably a title eliminator, Jessica Andrade versus Karolina Kovalkiewicz. Jessica obviously coming off wins over both Claudia Gadea and Tisha Torres. Kovalkiewicz is riding two or three fights, but obviously that big win over Felice Herrig earlier in the year. Um, Kayla, both of them want that next shot at Rose Namajunas when she comes back. Carolina has defeated her in the past. Jessica hasn't had her shot at it. A lot of people are saying the winner of this one, they got that shot locked in. What are your thoughts on the fight? I think it absolutely could be. I think unless the ladies, you know, give a very boring fight, I don't see how either of them couldn't talk their way into getting that next title shot. And I like this fight. Um, I don't see it going into the third round. I do see one of them. I just think that stylistically, the way they match up, um, someone will be able to finish finish the other. So I do be, see it being a more sh- uh, a shorter fight. But... That's what also excites me, too, is I think one of them will get a big finish and be able to get that next uh, title shot against the champ. Do you think that it's a title eliminator? Oh, absolutely. Um, Respectfully, Joanna is great. She had the title for a while. Nice victory over Tisha. Um, She's had two shots at Rose. I don't think that that victory did anything to change the fact that I'm not looking to see a trilogy. I think this one, it's a fresher matchup if you're Jessica Andrade. And for Carolina, there's the storyline, especially if you take out a top contender like Andrade to say, hey, you are ready. You are at this elite level. I really like that about this fight. So I think it's going to come down to performance. I think it's going to come down to the game plan. When I see it, people sleep on Carolina's ground game. I know I did after the fight with Felice Herrick or before the fight with Felice Herrick. That being said, and I love talking about Jessica Andrade because I say this, she just fights with that gangster. She just Mm -hmm. is relentless. She comes forward. You can do stuff well, and she just will eat it and then get her hands on you and just do damage. That is what she does. Um, the only girl who really figured it out was Joanna at 115. Besides that, you see what she does to... She just throttled Claudia Gadea. She throttled Tisha Torres. Those are two elite, skilled, tough, high-level fighters. And she just had moments where she was ragdolling both of them. That's the kind of beast you're in there with. I think if you're Carolina, you really have to stay out of the fire. Footwork, counter-striking... Don't let her set up the takedown. Don't get stuck against the fence. I think that's the best key because if you start to try to exchange or get into a battle with Jessica Andrade, the physicality is just going to overwhelm her, in my opinion. So that's the real key to the fight. But Kayla, yeah, and I think that that's that is that's the the fight that Andrade needs to make it is. Um, but I, I don't know. I also think that Carolina is sweet. And quiet as she is, when we've seen her fight Joanna, 
she's definitely someone that can weather a storm too. Um, but yeah, I think that if Andrade can, like you said, make it that dirty fight and not give her the opportunity to take a break, to, um, you know, have her moments to collect herself and find those counters. But I think it's just a matter of Carolina really staying calm and picking her shots and fighting it, um, you know, kind of it's, it's, I think it's a matter of two of who can keep, who can control the pace. No, I completely agree. Um, I think that if you're Carolina, it's staying in the middle of the octagon and take down defense. I think that if you could do those two things, you give yourself a shot. If you are getting stuck against the fence or you end up on your back, it's going to be a long night. I think that's really the key at the end of the day. Um, Carolina does have the skills and the fortitude to get it done. I think it's just going to be about implementing those two things. I'll, I'll say it like this. For Carolina to win, she's going to have to weather an early storm. And I think that if she can stifle the first few from Jessica, that's when her confidence will build up and she might go for a little more on her strikes and get herself in that fight. But it's not going to come off the bat. It's going to come after defending that early onslaught from Jessica. But, of course, someone's got to win, Kayla. Who do you got? Yeah, I completely agree. I think that Carolina will be able to handle Jessica's first, um, you know, fury of, of going in there and making it dirty. And I don't know why I'm picturing and just imaging some sort of like body shot that's going to finish her. Maybe in the second. So you have Carolina um, stopping Jessica Andrash? Mm-hmm. Ooh. I mean, I don't know. I personally, this one, I feel like just stylistically, it. I, I'm just feeling Jessica. I feel like she's just um, okay. Like I know I've compared her to a lot, but I think she also has a bit of that Frankie Edgar quality. And what I mean yeah. by that, and like I've talked about with Frankie, it's like your favorite flavor ice cream. You know exactly what <laughs> is you're gonna get each time with Jessica. You have relentless pressure, the takedowns, the durability. I think all three of those things are more than enough in a matchup with Carolina from what we've seen of her. I think the takedowns, I just don't feel like Carolina is going to be able to stop the second, the third, the fourth. That's going to be it. She may sprawl well on the first takedown, but Jessica is going to keep pushing, and I think she's going to get the position she needs. I have Jessica taking a decision in this one personally. I think that that's right. the real factor to it. So we both have Tyron and Still, and then you have Valentina. I have Nico and Still, and you have Jessica. I have Carolina. We'll see. We're going to have a lot to talk about on Monday. A lot of banter between. I love it. That's what makes the most exciting show, in my opinion, though, and I think that's why it works, but. Yeah, look, I mean, a lot of these fights, they're going to just be fun. You got Zabit Magomed Sharapov fighting on the card, which is great. Carlos um, Esparza, Tatiana Suarez on the prelims. That's is a fun, fun one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's going to be a nice one. We'll be talking about it next week. And then Kayla, very interesting one. UFC makes their de debut in Moscow next Saturday. Just very fun, right. historic. A lot to talk about. We move on with September. We're getting closer to Bellator and PFL. And, you know, of course, at the end of the month, it's all going to be about 
Connor and Habib. So a ton of stuff to talk about. Kayla, where can the fans keep up with you on social media? Fans can keep up with me at fangirl underscore MMA. Where can they keep up with you? Fans, you can find me all the time at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double, and we'll be back next week.